We are in week two of a series of messages for the month of January that is revolving around the theme of reboot. As we were talking back in the fall about the beginning of a new year and a time when uh, many of us tend to make resolutions to think about new things, new commitments, um, and just thinking about the last couple of years uh, that we have um, lived through and all the things, uh, reboot seemed like a good place to start the year. Uh, that we might all think about what a reboot could look like. And so we started last week with the word remember uh, because there's no better place to begin than, than to remember God's faithfulness to us and as a part of that to remember our baptisms um, and the grace of God that has been present for us from the very beginning of our lives even before we knew it or even before we knew how to speak of it, articulate it. God has been there and present and active, uh, just like in the lives of those babes that we baptized this morning at the earlier service. And so now today we turn to the second word in the series, which is recenter. And I just want to point out before we start uh, today that um, there is a case over here between a couple of the columns. You can see it lit up. And inside that case are some visual focal points for each of the weeks in this series and each of the words that are a part of this series. And you might want to go over there at some point, either after the uh, service today or sometime in the next couple of weeks, and take a look. Uh, I, I found it to be really helpful to me in thinking about... Um, these different ideas of remember and recenter. And for the one today, there's a wonderful quote from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. about the beloved community and that vision for the kind of uh, world that would exist if we were all willing to invest ourselves in it through certain practices. And, and that kind of leans into where we're going to go today with this idea of recentering. And so we're going to look at a passage that comes from the Gospel of Luke, specifically in the 10th chapter, and so I invite you to follow along as I read those verses for us now. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? He responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit. And breathe life into the words that I speak today, that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives. Amen. Have you ever asked a question that you already knew the answer to? We all do this from time to time in one way or another. Sometimes we ask a question uh, in, in a way that we are hoping for or inviting other people to share our enthusiasm. So after a particularly good game, we might ask someone, what would you think about the Gators today? 
And we're hoping that we get the response from them that they enjoyed it just as much as we did. We want to share that enthusiasm. Sometimes we ask a question because we are anticipating that we will elicit a certain reaction or response. So, for example, when I say to my golden doodle, Teddy, Teddy, you want to go outside for a walk? I know, I know what his answer is to that already. But hearing that word, W-A-L-K, gets him all excited just as I expect it to. And so I elicit that response. Sometimes we ask a question that we already know the answer to, looking for solidarity or for confirmation. Perhaps sometimes when we are struggling with a decision that we know we need to make, there is something going on in our lives that is making things difficult or challenging. And we've already processed it and maybe we already know where this needs to go. But we reach out to a friend or to a family member or somebody we trust and we say, so what should I do? And getting that response back just helps reinforce, helps confirm, helps us be more confident in taking that next step. Well, today in our scripture passage, we encounter what the translation today says was a legal expert. Now, in other translations, you may be familiar with hearing this person uh, referred to as a lawyer, but it's important that we recognize that the word here is, is really referencing somebody who is a scholar in Hebraic law. So this is somebody who understood the Torah, who knew it backward and forward, who could recite it by heart, and who had invested lots of time and energy in knowing everything that was there. That kind of sets the context for him coming to Jesus and asking a question that because he is a scholar in Hebraic law, he already knows the answer to. Now, the scripture says today that he came to Jesus to test him. Now, we shouldn't necessarily assume from that word test that he was trying to trick Jesus or trap Jesus, although he could have been. But on the other hand, this was a common practice in that day, that somebody who was wise and an intellectual and a scholar would pose a question to somebody else who was also assumed or anticipated to be scholarly and knowledgeable. And it was an opportunity to enter into some banter and to engage in an intellectual conversation. And so that may be what was going on with the initial question. He wanted to test Jesus out. He had heard about him and he wanted to see if Jesus would be a, a worthy partner for dialogue. And so he asked him the question, Jesus, teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus, rather than answering the question, puts it back on the legal expert and invites him to answer his own question, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? Which leads us in the passage today to that verse that has echoed down through the centuries one that many of us can probably recite by heart, or even if not word for word, we know what it says there. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. What the legal expert has done in that moment 
was to combine two of the central passages from the Torah. One from the book of Deuteronomy that is a part of the Shema about loving God first and foremost. And another that is part of the book of Leviticus that lays out the laws that were expected of the people in terms of how they would treat one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he joins those together. And Jesus, of course, responds, you are absolutely right. You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And notice that in responding, Jesus doesn't just talk about a life that happens sometime later, an eternal or everlasting life that is about after death. No, no, Jesus' response is more all-encompassing. Uh, we might actually think of it in terms of him saying, do this and, and you will be fully alive, both now and later. So today, we come to this word, recenter. And we bring this word today as a way of helping us, I think, first acknowledge and recognize the distractedness that can exist within our lives. There are so many things that can distract us from what is at the center, aren't there? And especially as I think about the last couple of years and all the different things that we have experienced, so many things that have pried us off center in terms of what we would really want to be putting our focus on, what would be really important and central. And so to recenter is an invitation to come back to what is at the core, to come back to what is most important. And you know, it just seems to me that there is a particularly strong need for all people, but especially for people of Christian faith, to do this at the time in which we find ourselves living right now. And here's my assessment. I think we already know the answer. We already know the answer and we've read it today in the scripture. The answer that we need is the one that the legal expert gives to Jesus when he answers his own question, but we just need some reinforcement. We need somebody to share our enthusiasm for loving God and loving people. We need to see somebody elicit the kind of response that would say to us, yes, yes, this is something to get excited about. This is something worthwhile. This is what I'm supposed to do. We need somebody to be in solidarity and to offer confirmation so that we can walk side by side and say, you know what? If you're in, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's do this together and let's live together in a way that matters and in a way that centers on what God really is inviting us to. And so as we think about that today, I wanna to just offer a few ideas that come to mind for me about recentering, some things that might help us come back to the core come back to the center and think about what that means for our day-to-day, -day, everyday, ordinary lives. First of all, it starts with Jesus. 
It starts with Jesus because Jesus, not only with his words, but with his actions, shows us the way of loving God and loving people. He is the epitome of love and action. And so a good starting point for us is in the Gospels, to spend time looking and listening to what he says and looking at what he does and how he treats people and how he responds to people and how he acts out love to all with whom he comes in contact. You know, at one point in the Gospels, he says in reference to himself that he is the way and the truth and the life. And I'm pretty sure based on everything else that I see about how Jesus interacts with people, that he doesn't say that trying to exclude anybody. But he says that in an effort to say to everybody, hey, get on board here. This is the way to do things. Watch and join me in living in a way that invites people to be fully alive, that invites people to discover how much God loves them. If we're going to love God and love people, the best place for us to start is by paying attention to Jesus. Second thing, stop keeping score. Love is not a ledger. Do not try to check your ledger to make sure that the debits and the credits equal because they won't. They won't. You, if you, if you step into this life that God is inviting you to, will not, not everything will add up. You will be called to love people who may not always love you back. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Do not insist on making sure that you get love back in order to give love. That's not love. Love without regard for what the score is in your relationships with others. Which leans into the next thing, which is to do it consciously until it becomes unconscious. Because the reality is that it is harder to love some people than it is to love others, isn't it? You know this in your life. There are some people that it's easy for you to love, but there are others that it may be hard for you to love. Love them anyway, but in order to do it, it takes effort, it takes patience, it takes willingness, it takes commitment, it takes day after day after day practice, which is a good reason to start every day by asking God to help you because you're going to need it. But just keep doing it and do it consciously until at some point along the way, at least with some of the people, it starts to become unconscious. It is just a natural outflow of who you are. Now, here's the other thing. As well as it being harder to love some people than others, it is harder for some of us to practice love in this way because some of us have had to deal with some rough things in our past. Things that, that make us a little wary, a little resistant, a little questioning of whether we can trust, whether we can be vulnerable with others. It's step 
by step, my friends. And sometimes it's baby step by baby step. But that conscious effort, that conscious stepping forward to keep seeking to extend love to others, even when you don't get it back. Love is both free and costly. There is, if we will allow it to come out, an inexhaustible supply of love from which we can draw on to share with other people. It is an endless resource, endless supply, and it will cost us when we decide to share it freely. It will cost us time. It will cost us energy. It will cost us convenience. And it may even at times cost us relationships. Because there may be from time to time somebody who doesn't like the fact that we are extending love to someone else who they don't think deserves it. And so they decide to back away from us. And then at that point, now you've got a challenge to love both the person that you're feeling called to love and the one who is resisting your desire to love that one that they don't think deserves it. Love is both free and costly. And you know what else? Paul knew what he was talking about. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians and he talked about love, now that chapter that many of you know quite well, 1 Corinthians 13, it's been used a lot. And sometimes we might think, boy, that's just been used too much. Definitely don't want to read that one again. But, but the truth is, it's used a lot for a good reason. Because Paul is spot on when it comes to what that passage has to say about the character of love, about what it takes to love and about what it looks like when we really do love as God intends. Listen to these words again from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I am a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. 
Sometimes we just got to get out of our own way and let love flow through. So the last thing I'll say about love is that we just need to get out there and spread it like manure. Really? I mean, when you start putting manure around, things start to grow, right? Good things, things that are beautiful, things that are wonderful, things that surprise you when they come up out of the ground that you would have never expected to come when you put a bunch of manure there. We need to spread love like manure, which means that we got to be focused in the right place. Now, after that little exchange that the lawyer and Jesus have in today's scripture passage, the lawyer asks another question. Some of you know where this story goes in the Gospel of Luke. He says, okay, so who's my neighbor? See what he's doing there? He wants to set the boundaries. He wants to decide who he has to consider in and who he can consider out and not worry about. And Jesus, in his response, reveals that he's asking the wrong question. The question is not, who is my neighbor? The question is, who am I? And what kind of neighbor am I going to be? So there's a guy by the name of Bob Goff. Anybody hear of Bob Goff? Oh, he's a good guy to get familiar with. He's a lawyer, actually. Uh, And he's a lawyer who is day by day seeking to live into this idea of loving God and loving people all the time. And some of us got to hear him speak this fall out at Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City. He's written some books. One of his books from a couple of years ago is entitled, Everybody Always. So I want to conclude today by reading a quote from that book. Loving each other is what we were meant to do and how we were made to roll. It's not where we start when we begin following Jesus. It is the beautiful path we travel the rest of our lives. Will it be messy and ambiguous and uncomfortable when we love people the way Jesus said to love them? You bet it will. Will we be misunderstood? Constantly. Loving the neighbors we don't understand takes work and humility and patience and guts. Find a way to love difficult people more and you'll be living the life Jesus talked about. Go find someone you've been avoiding and give away extravagant love to them. Find someone you think is wrong, someone you disagree with, someone who isn't like you at all, and decide to love that person the way you want Jesus to love you. We need to love everybody always. Jesus never said doing these things would be easy. He just said 
it would work. Will you pray with me? Oh God, may our prayer this morning be put us to work. Put us to work, God, as a part of what you want to do in bringing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Bring us back to center to love you, to love all of your children. And may we start with those who are right here among us. Help us to love each other so that together our witness might be one that is compelling to a world desperate to find hope and good news and people who don't just talk but people who walk in the footsteps of the one who showed us how to be fully alive your son Jesus Christ Amen